How's it going everyone? This is Miles with Windows Central Gaming and welcome to the 57th episode of Xbox Chatterdays. Today I am stoked to be joined once again by my good pal and host of the award-winning Spawn on Me podcast, Alif Adams. Alif, how you doing on this fine Saturday, my dude? What the DLB fam? I hope you're doing really well. Ooh. I thought you were going to intro the show by saying this is the 50 cent edition of Chatter Days uh, <laughs> after watching the Super Bowl. <laughs> 50 cent. Hanging we're going to be hanging upside down for the entire episode. All right. Like a gosh darn bat. I was like, what is happening right now in this thing? I am super excited to be here with you. Thank you very, very much for having me and happy to be making my returning champion. Uh, appearance on the show excited 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 oh dude feels so good to have you back it's been a minute love having you on we have a lot to talk about today we're going to be diving into the capcom countdown timer we're going to be talking about battlefield 2042 blaming halo infinite we're going to be talking about <laughs> cyberpunk 2077's current gen update we are also going to be building the perfect open world game and so much more but before we get into all of that good stuff, for the amazing people joining us and the amazing people listening on podcast services, let everyone know who you are and where they can find you. Uh, well, my name is Khalif Adams. I run the Spawn on Me podcast with Khalif Adams. You see, you got to add your name to the end of a thing to make it sound official. That's right. Uh, you're, a, you're a person to know, all right? Uh, one day, one day somebody will know who the heck I am. Uh, I, I consider ourselves the premier podcast spotlighting people of color in the video game industry. We just had our ninth year anniversary uh, in January. Uh, so we're continuing to go strong uh, and spotlighting folks and doing some fantastic work within the gaming industry. So thank you so much for having me again. And, and, and let's get it in. I'm ready. Let's, almost 10 years. That is impressive. Amazing run. Amazing show. If you guys haven't checked it out. Yeah, Khalif's been doing amazing stuff for a long time, and he's someone that I always enjoy having on the show. So let's get into the, the, the big one that's kind of been uh, percolating online the last couple of days. Yeah. And that is a, a recent town hall meeting with some folks from EA talking about the launch of Battlefield 20. So basically, they got together and talked about the, the current state of the game, the problems with the game, and the, quite frankly, disappointing launch of Battlefield 2042. As we've seen online, there's been a lot of vocal outcry from the community to, quote, fix the game, address these problems. There's even been a petition that's garnered a fair amount of traction that is pushing EA to completely refund the game because people are that unhappy with the state. Uh, they are unhappy that the season, first season is being delayed. So there, there are a lot of fundamental problems with Battlefield 2042. Um, there's been an interesting tidbit from this town hall that's been kind of taken out of this and a lot of the community has fixated on it. And like I said, uh, there's been articles saying that EA is essentially blaming Halo Infinite for Battlefield's poor performance. Um, realistically, what was said in this statement was that, you know, our game launched and then Halo Infinite launched early and Halo Infinite was was polished and in a good state, which made our game look worse, which that's very true. That is absolutely true. We were all talking about it because we were living <laughs> in this world where we thought, oh, you can't even launch a, a multiplayer game in a solid state anymore. Like you can't, not, not, in, not in a pandemic. There's no way to do it. And that's why all these games are buggy. And then Battlefield comes out 
or Halo Infinite comes out early and is is rock solid. That game launched yep. in the best state I've seen a game in a long time. And then very shortly after, Battlefield <laughs> drops in a horrible state, the opposite state. So it's got a lot of people talking about this. So what I want to know is, do you think EA is trying to skirt some of the, the blame for this launch? And what can this team do to get Battlefield 2042 back back on track? Ooh. So first, let me preface by saying I am a huge Battlefield fan. I, I, I've been in the trenches literally for many, many games. I've been playing for a long, long time. Hell, the name of our show is from, is from Battlefield. From Battlefield. <laughs> so it tells you how much I love Battlefield in terms of, of being a series. <clears throat> um, does it feel like they're skirting responsibility here? Um, I don't think it's them skirting responsibility, but I do think it is really interesting to hear, you know, at least the idea of, hey, this other game that came out is doing really, really well around the same time that we were putting our game out. And it feels like that is the reason why our game is not performing well. I mean, if you want to think about what that means for the Battlefield series, this sounds reminiscent of what happened with Titanfall because they did the same conversation during Titanfall's launch because that game and, they, and it, it buried Titanfall in, in, in the way that it wound up working, right? Um, I, there is no real excuse for how badly this game has performed. I, as a person who has given this game multiple chances to be better and to figure it out and to do the small things like put voice chat in the game Make a scoreboard that looks reasonable. <laughs> like, there are so many things. And mind you, even in its most broken state, which is still, again, they've had, they've had a couple of patches that have done, have done some work to rectify some of the major issues. There are still so many things that, from a fundamental standpoint, don't mesh with what most folks who are Battlefield fans feel are feel is a good experience when for the most part the only thing that we wanted as a as a fan base was make Battlefield 4 again <laughs> and it's weird so like let me go back a step the thing that is actually the most interesting about this is the fact that the the asks from the community were really really small if you really think about what 2042 was going to be we wanted put it in a future setting or, or, you know, a future facing setting. We don't, we don't want to go back into world war two again mm -hmm. Two, yeah. basically replicate most of the stuff that you had within battlefield four. Cause I still think battlefield four was the best battlefield ever made. And then three level it up with more evolution, you know, add that extra layer of, of visual polish to make it look like, and feel like a next gen game and do that. And they would have had a top 10 shooter you know, of, you know, of, of the year and all these other things that got added into the mix just didn't make sense for the player, even though they were ambitious and all of those things together. So it's a really weird thing to see, you know, folks with on uh, folks within the higher up structures, because I don't think that any of these uh, uh, messagings have come from the actual dev team. I think a lot of this has come from, you know, folks who are in on the business side of, of EA thinking yeah. about this, right, which is a very different story if you're thinking about those folks versus the folks from the dev and the, and the community side because i've seen <clears throat> so many folks who i know are working on this project or other folks who have worked on, alongside it that are that are not happy uh with the way that wind up launching uh so it's wild to hear that this is the way that this has come out and i and you know what good on ea for for being like yeah we, we we're screwing this up we're gonna give people refunds because the game is not in a good spot and i'm still playing it 
because I'm still waiting to see it get better. Uh, so we'll see. It's been a, it's been a roller coaster of emotions for me because I had heard rumblings of this before it came out, and I remember thinking to myself, "They can't really do anything that's going to make me care about Battlefield right now." Because, pre- like you said, I I love Battlefield Four. I like previous Battlefield titles, but when I heard you know 2042 was the setting, I was like, "Okay, here we go again, back to the future." <laughs> well, all right, let's see what they do. And then that reveal trailer hit. And I was so excited. I was so excited about the possibilities of the future of Battlefield. They were doing a lot of things that, you know, catered to what people loved about Battlefield 4, throwing in the the storms and the wingsuits and the stuff that I want as someone who's become more, uh, you know, accustomed to traversal in the sandbox and, and ways to traverse the map. That was awesome. So I was excited that reveal got me feeling amped. I went from zero to 100 on Battlefield 2042 after that reveal. and then I played the beta and then I played the beta after I played the Halo test flight and I, all that momentum was gone. All of that momentum drained from me. It wasn't bad. It, my experience with the beta wasn't horribly buggy. There were some funny stuff where the car had no animation. It was just four people sitting in a sitting position, just flying across the map, stuff, stuff like that. It gave me a good chuckle. I enjoyed it. Um, and then, you know, we got the, the early access through basically Game Pass Ultimate or EA Play. And so I got to play the the quote-unquote final version of this game or what would be the launch version of the game. I played I played like three matches total. I, I tried. I tried for a good like two days to play that game. Couldn't. It was completely busted. You had to go in and like manually turn off cross-play to get it to work. And I was like, I just don't have time for this, man. There, there's Halo coming up. There's a bunch of stuff coming up. I don't have time to figure out how to play this game. And so all that excitement, all that goodwill just kind of drained for me with this launch. And it was a bummer because I was kind of expecting this to be the big relaunch of the Battlefield franchise and kind of recapture the audience at lost. But as we're seeing, that player count is tanking. It's almost in line with Battlefield 4 now. Like, I mean, it's barely above Battlefield 4. It's the most interesting thing. In and in again, it goes back to what, if you think about what the series was doing extremely well, the thing that people enjoy the most about a new game with new modes, bigger maps, all that stuff is Portal, which is all mostly the old content <laughs> <laughs> to other stuff. It is super wild, man. It's like... I. I my, I'm so disappointed because this was going to be the thing that shut all the Call of Duty kids up for me. It was, I was, I was excited to have that one cudgel to be like, "Shut the hell up already!" Which damn Warzone and you stupid, you, you, you damn Warzone kids, all right? Damn Warzone kids, you shut up about your first, your, your frames per second. I don't care about your frames per second. Shut up. I was just like, I don't care. Well, I was hoping really, I was like, oh, please just like, give me that thing. Cause I want battlefield to be good. And it's it, my question to you though, is with the current state of 2042 being where it is and us knowing that the way dev cycles work is that you don't, you can't just like dump a project like this at this point. Right. Mm-hmm. Like what's the, what's the thing for them? Can they re you know, we see No Man's Sky have this resurgence over almost five years of continuous updates and things like that, and it grow its 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 user base back up to a reasonable perspective. Do you think this is a thing where EA just dumps this project and is like, "All right, we got it. We 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 botched it. We got to leave it." 
or are they are they, are they going to continue to kind of just give themselves updates and see if people still stay? I think unfortunately they have to. I think realistically with a game like this, they they have a roadmap of stuff that was probably already in the works to some degree. Um, right. A lot of these game these games as service titles, the launch state is not everything that is done or everything that is actively being developed. Um, mm -hmm. So I think they're they are hoping that they can turn this around and push out new content. We've seen, like you said, No Man's Sky do it. Sea of Thieves, similar. They launched an estate people were unhappy with, limited content. But the main difference between like a game like Sea of Thieves, for example, is Sea of Thieves didn't launch in a broken state. Sea of <laughs> Thieves launched in a, a slim state, objectively. There wasn't a ton to do. Um, right. But fundamentally, there wasn't a lot of broken content. And they were able to as fast as they could pump out some kind of new content. They were getting stuff out every month or every two weeks at least. So people who were engaged with and wanted to keep playing had something to look forward to. Battlefield is just like, hey, we're delaying season one because we need to spend months and months fixing this game. And that is, nobody wants to stick around and wait for you to fix a game. And I think that's why a lot of people have just moved on because we have a ton of stuff to play. Warzone, like you said, is great. Fortnite is great. Halo. We're going to get into uh, Halo. People are complaining about Halo as well for different reasons, but at least Halo <laughs> again, isn't fundamentally broken. Yeah. It yeah, launched in a yeah. state that was solid. You could play it. And if you wanted to play it, you can go and do that battlefield. You got to fight with the game to play it. And nobody wants to do that. Our time is valuable. And the most frustrating thing about me about this entire launch for me is that they didn't look at this and say, we have to delay it. We just have to delay this. I mean, this is the second, I don't think of any other company. Well, let me re-examine that. And, and that may be talking crap because it's early. Uh, <laughs> but, like, but like, I think of two, like of a, of a company who has dumped two games of this large caliber. And Anthem. Yep. Got EA is one of them that's dumped EA, Anthem. EA, yeah. EA dumped Anthem. But that was after, what, a year and a half, two years? of that game being out they had the, the um, promise of the big what was it a cataclysm or apocalypse update that was yeah. supposed to fundamentally change the game and then that hit and people were like oh that's it that was that's it, it? Yeah. yeah 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 what who is no this? no 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 <laughs> um, so i mean i don't think they're gonna like i agree i don't think they're gonna dump the project because they, they kind of can't and i really don't want them to i want them to find a way to get this game in a in a much better state cuz i really want to play it like I, I i just don't know though like with anthem there was stuff that you could see that was like all right if you make these changes you'll have a better game from a fundamental level level of like what what's the systems that are here that you need to rebuild <clears throat> things that i'm disappointed in 2042 are a mix of systems and you know, quality of life stuff, which I think is even harder to fix. Yeah. Because like, yeah, the tornado was cool. Like that's dope. But like you're, it's a weird move backwards in terms of technology in my mind of being like, you have this random spawning thing that happens and you have this, you know, uh, you have this space, uh, <clears throat> rocket that blows up and stuff. But even when it does it, it's not as cool as it feels like when the previous game did it, which is also weird. Right. So I I I I am you know lighting a candle for my for my EA people who are working on that stuff because I'm 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 sad for them and sad for the community and and it's a shame that it it wasn't really up to par because uh, I want that series to do well I need that series to do well for my own shooter game sanity. 
it is incredibly disappointing. And I think there is, you know, a future for it. Like we can talk about Anthem and EA dumping Anthem, but my problem, and I think a lot of people's problem with Anthem is that it played well, it looked good, but the mm. fundamental gameplay loop, even though it wasn't broken or buggy, they would have to redesign the entire systems of the game for people to really click with it. There wasn't enough content. The overall loop was kind of boring. You would fly to a cave. You'd go in the cave. You'd kill some guys. You'd leave. So a lot of people that I know that did like it initially, after about 20 hours, they were done. They had seen everything they wanted to do, and they had no desire to come back to it. Um, Battlefield, again, as a shooter, it's, it's a pretty basic concept. You, you go in a big map. You get some cool vehicles. You kill some stuff. You don't necessarily have to work about the R- worry about the RPG loop, you know, keeping people mm-hmm. engaged in that sense. But if that is the entire loop, it has to perform well. And like you said, the big epic moments that we were promised in that reveal, they don't quite feel as big and epic when you're in the match. So yeah. again, I'm in the same boat. I want it to be good. I want to come back to Battlefield in six months and and have it be that epic experience that I wanted. Have it deliver those those battlefield moments that we were right? promised in the trailers, the jump in the ATV and the helicopters and stuff. Come on. Man. That's why, that's why we love battlefield, but yes. uh, I don't know, man. What, what do you think is the timeline? If they manage to turn this around, when do you think we see the, let's call it the 1.0 version of battlefield 2040. Oh, like they have to get something out in the next six months. Like you have to, like just from a, just from a zeitgeist perspective, right? Like, you know, uh, Call of Duty is going to continue to push out content and new game, new games in the series. Cause they have multiple kind of angles. They to have a to, to machine that. designed to pump out Call of Duty and like multiple studios to do that work, which is, which is even harder for, for folks at EA because they have like, of course, multiple studios, but like, again, it's one big house that's kind of doing that work. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about Halo Infinite in a second, but I think, you know, you know, I don't know yet in terms of other shooters in the mix, because I still continue to say to say that, you know, uh, Fortnite, Call of Duty and Battlefield are the three shooters of name recognition that I think people still care about. Um, but they got to put something out within the next six months. Like and they have and the thing they have to do is they have to t- show people like you know you know hold their hand and say like this is what is different now like you can't be obtuse you can't put it out in a blog you can't you have to go and do a big fat video that's like 30 minutes long and have devs sit there and do the work to talk about it on live and be like here's what is different from the previous version that we put out we're sorry we're sorry we're sorry here's what it looks like now uh, here are all the quality of life improvements. Here are the way that we're doing it. And they may even have to scrap some systems and pull it back to what it was before and like basically, re- you know, go back to version negative one uh, of Battlefield sure. and be like, all these, all these, you know, different kinds of uh, systems that we wanted. Oh, everybody can use everybody's gun. Like, no, like that's no, you can't do that now. You got to go back to the old squad system that 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 actually made you play a thing. A specific way right because i think that's the only reason that battlefield works in the current game shooter landscape is that you had people who had to pick a role yes and, and once you don't do that it just becomes chaos because there's no incentive to play anything but a person in a wingsuit or a sniper yep at that point so 
they're gonna have to go through a, a lot of iteration to, to figure out what that's gonna look like and i hope they get there but it has to be soon um and someone in the chat was like could they add smaller maps they have versions of smaller maps for some of the stuff i think the small the map types aren't the issue i think they bit they bet big on 128 players and we found yeah. that that wasn't a good bet that was a bad bet because it's just chaos and you just don't you have no idea where to shoot you have no idea where you're getting shot from um and that just makes it not 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 fun <laughs> in the ways that we think of that game should be the balance uh, but, of battlefield 2042 right now feels so wildly off like you talk about, you have no idea where you're being shot from. The maps, in a lot of ways, are very flat. There's not these interesting points of cover. Like, mm -hmm. normally, you look at other multiplayer shooters, Call of Duty, Halo. They have these, these choke points or these areas that are designed to encourage conflict, encourage fighting. Battlefield is just a flat, scorched earth, and you're being sniped from 500 yards away, and you have no idea. You're spawning and dying. You're spawning and dying. And yeah. that is not a satisfying gameplay loop. It's just, it's just not. It's actually really interesting. And I know, I know we got to pivot to some, to, to the next story, but I think the thing that I didn't think about as much <laughs> when it came to, and the reason why I loved four was because pathing really matters. In and I don't think people understand how, how much routes and pathing works into map development and map creation and how they do it i would love i would seriously love and that not in a not in a joking you know meme memeifying way i would really love to like see and talk to the developers who did the map design to understand what they were kind of envisioning when they were thinking about pathing for maps this big because i think that that's a really interesting conversation of like again you you nailed it with kind of conversations around choke points uh, uh areas of vision and in, in, in through lines where you're able to be like oh okay when i'm playing uh in, ba in battlefield 4 and i run up the escalator in the train station i know that's a choke point both from the top and from the bottom mm -hmm. right and if i need to get around them i need to flank i need to have a flanking route to go behind those folks and hopefully capture enough spaces with enough people spawning on me that i'll be able to kind of move in that direction I don't know how you do that in a game like Battlefield 2042 besides, you know, having the manual, having the, the manual spawn points that you can put down as a character and then pulling in vehicles quickly. But again, that takes things like voice commands and voice chat. <laughs> that takes voice chat. You need the, the thing that made Battlefield 4 so good was you could talk to people and tell them exactly what you needed to do. There's no way to do that in that game with no voice chat. So how does a shooter launch in this day and age without voice chat? Especially in a game like Battle 40, uh, 2042, where you, most people right now are not playing in public chat voice anyway. They're not playing in the public yes. voice channels, right? In the older games, you had to be in voice chat. Like you had, like, even if you hated everybody in your lobby and you had <laughs> 17 kids who were calling you every terrible word and you would still be in that voice channel because you needed to do it to win. And there's no way you can do that in this game <laughs> except being in private chat with a potential squad, but none of your friends are playing it. So that's the hard part too. It's just so many things that are just missed in that, in that conversation. But I actually would really love to talk to those folks about like, the philosophies behind some of the decisions that were made because when they had their big reveal event it made sense right yeah i was like this stuff looks dope like this is yeah. really interesting like this makes sense and then when humans got into the mix it ruined all <laughs> <of> <laughs> as with most things in as life with, but... it ruined the whole 
the whole plan and that's that's wild to me and it's it's, it's actually really fascinating i hope they do a post-mortem about that kind of stuff to like yeah that, that would be a, a fascinating experiment to see this is what we intended players to do and yeah. then when we released the game we found out that that's not what any player wanted to do and then yeah. the entire focus of these maps in this game was completely busted because of it yep yep so um yeah speaking of you know games that need to have consistent content and speaking of games that are games as a service title real quick we're going to jump into some halo infinite first i got to give a huge shout out to all the amazing people joining live if you are digging the show hit the like button share it out all that good stuff if you are listening on podcast services be sure to follow the show and rate the show we got a super chat here from harji chani says hey miles and khalif hashtag ps is a monopoly Hashtag where's Spartacus, hashtag remedy makes crap games, and hashtag COD will be excluded. What? RG just get what? He's getting getting messy early on a Saturday. Saturdays. Uh, what? Crossfire X. I had some people, you know, kind oh, of yeah. ups, upset with me that I wasn't excited about Crossfire X. I wasn't hyping up Crossfire X um well here's the weird thing you shouldn't hype up crossfire x because crossfire x is a bad game yeah that's the reason i played it is why i wasn't talking about it or wasn't excited about it because i knew what it was gonna be it's a bad game it's, it's a, a bad game it, it, and to be fair the multi the single player done by remedy is probably the better part of that game yeah it's still still not yeah, great it's still great. not it's not and it's not control coming off of it's a start if you just played control and you went into crossfire x campaign whew, wow that is a that's a different remedy different very, remedy right there very very different game different, different game all right but speaking of of again shooters and consistent roadmaps we're coming towards the end of february and we still haven't gotten the seasonal update for Halo Infinite. But this was something that was promised in January. At the end of mm -hmm. January, they said, hey, sorry, we need more time to get it done. Now we're getting towards the end of February. Still haven't heard anything about the, the future. We did get a blog post yesterday that detailed some changes that are coming to the game throughout the season. And a lot of them are just matchmaking. A lot of them are performance and matchmaking features. Um, right. So a lot of people in the community now are feeling a little bit frustrated because the game has been out for a few months. And we haven't got any major content. We got a mode, Fiesta, and a, actually two modes, Fiesta and Attrition. We haven't got any new maps. And we've had kind of sprinklings of these cosmetic events throughout it. So yep. before we get into that conversation, where are you at with the current state of Halo Infinite? Is this something you're still playing? And um, yeah, is, is this something you're still playing actively? No, weirdly. I mean, it, it was this was supposed to be my shooter for, you know, the foreseeable future. Again, if, ba if Battlefield didn't poop the bed, uh, <laughs> this was supposed to be my, my shooter. And a mix between the, the, the lack of content and just playing so many other things for review because it is February now. Tis the uh, season, my dude. February Mageddon uh, of games and stuff. Uh, it's really just fallen by the wayside. Like, I, I will jump in. I jump in now to that thing when there is a new cosmetic that is a time a limited time event kind of thing um that's when i'm jumping back in it's like oh well let me get that samurai armor uh because i need to go grab that samurai armor um but for the most part i'm not really playing it because and to be fair i think you know talking about some of the modes like fiesta mode 
being the catalyst to getting some of that gear actually put me off even more to to, to playing it because I don't like Fiesta. I think Fiesta is a bad mode. Um, it is not. It is not. It is not my favorite at all. I kind of hate it. That's the Battlefield uh, 2042 chaos mode right there. It is the anthem of of <laughs> of Halo mode. <laughs> I wish they would dump it because uh, I'm oh. not. With it. Uh, but uh, yeah, but uh, but I'm not playing as much as I used to, or or as much as I want to. I feel like that's a really good palate cleansing um, time when you're like, oh, I've been playing this really hard game. It's, it's really a pain in the butt. I need something that I don't have to think about it, but can still have fun. That was that game, and still is that game to a certain extent. But I'm not playing. That's sadly where I'm at as well. I I remember playing Halo Infinite every single day for weeks and weeks and weeks when that came out. Launched in such a good state, was so high about the game, really loving it. Um, again, there was controversies around the progression, and I still think that's a huge issue. But yeah, pretty much after I completed the the hundred levels of the pass, mm-hmm. my incentive to play is is it's gone. I'll, I'll jump in and, like you said, do some of the events. But even those, even the the Cyber Shadow, and even the Tenrai, like I have to force myself to care, and it's all just FOMO. At this point, it's it's all just FOMO. I'm like, do I really want to miss out on the samurai set? Right. And then I think to myself, I don't even use the samurai force. <laughs> what am I doing? Why am I here? Why am I playing this game? And I have this internal conflict with myself. Like they are, you know, feeding my lizard brain to try to force me into playing because of these cosmetics that are going to go away in a week instead of making me just want to play the game. And so that goes into the kind of broader conversations about launching a games as a service title i remember talking to people pre-launch and i said hey just be aware that halo infinite could potentially ship with less than 10 maps like that's that's the information i was hearing that was my expectation um that being said i was expecting them to launch with a smaller suite of maps but then have a map drop every month or two to be like hey come back Halo's got a new map. Let's go. You you spend some time now. Slowly introduce players to these new maps. Give them a, a month or two to learn them, and then keep the the core community engaged. But that hasn't been the case. And now I'm starting to think we might go six months without a new map, and that that's wild to me. It's it, the thing that is the troubling part. Is yes, like we we haven't really had a lot of updates from the team in terms of what the expectations are going to be from them. And weirdly, some game types wind up making the maps that you do have feel kind of unplayable. One and flag, like, anyone? Oh my god, I hate <laughs> that mode in that map so much. I hate it. And there's it only cool. one map you ever play that mode on right now. Yes, and it's so bad. And like that map is such a trash bag map. I actually, that's not true. I like that map actually. I just don't like that game type on that map, right? Like it, it would be different if that was a two flag map, right? That would be a smart map, uh, a map game choice for that kind of thing. So it winds up being all these kind of mix and matches of stuff that kind of fit and kind of don't fit, while also waiting for more stuff to drop. Yeah, like I'm, I'm in my battle pass now. I'm finished with it. I, I don't really it's it has told me a lot about the the state of video games when once I have finished your battle pass, my expectation is one for more stuff to just magically appear <laughs> and two my 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 uh, uh my want to continue to play lessons because I don't have that carried on the stick. 
which wasn't the case for a long time for me. I was like, oh, well, half this stuff I don't even care about because it's all like cosmetic stuff. And to be fair, like the Halo world has a vast amount of armor pieces that you can pick from. But most of that stuff is locked and it doesn't even tell you why it's locked. It's like, this is locked for season lore events X. Like, I don't care oh. about the lore nonsense about why this person wore this goddamn helmet. I don't give a shit. Give me the freaking helmet and tell me a way Just to let get me put on my helmet. goddamn cat ears and, and get in a match. All right. Like, and that's the wild thing. So, like, think about it. The cat ear stuff was the thing that had the, the cat ears and the uh, samurai set. If you think about what is the thing that most po most people sought after were those two sets. And the thing that makes Halo really, really difficult is, is as opposed to other games is that you have this hesitancy to go wacky, right? Yes. A lot of people in the community actually are upset about the, the wackier stuff. And that's the problem, right? They're like, oh, this isn't doesn't deal with canon this doesn't connect oh oh this this one battle that happened in zeta zeta phi zeta uh doesn't happen over here so we can't have you know hooded, like a, a weird bladed thing on my on my arm pads because we because you kids are too wrapped up in it like stop that you need these things for people to give a crap you need to go as wacky as possible and not be so beholden to the lore and to the canon of of the halo universe no one's going to give a crap. Master Chief doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care the fact that his homies are rolling around with freaking cat ears. No one gives a crap. So I think I think we're going to wind up seeing again in that conversation that we had with the uh, uh uh with Battlefield, what's the timeline here of like expectation when people start getting antsy, right? Cuz I think most people have already fallen off the map in terms of, you know, playing the game. I would love to see player accounts, but I think once they have decided that, all right, now we know this is going to be what's happening for the rest of this year, they can, you know, tamp down the the naysayers and the people who are really upset right now because they have to do it. Yeah, they, they really do. do. And I think a lot of this, again, Halo's not, a, it's not a bad game. Like, it's not a dead game. I'm seeing a lot of people throw around a lot of exaggerations about the current state of Halo. Halo at its core is is doing everything it needs to do from a gameplay perspective. And they are obviously learning how to make this a games as a service title. And there's obviously going to be some learning curves with all of that. But as you touched on, the, the silence is forcing a lot of people in the community to fill in the gaps with pessimism. We've seen a lot of teams do a much better job of a lot of Xbox teams. The Sea of Thieves team, I always use as the shining example. Why isn't everyone within Microsoft just looking at what they're doing and doing it? Because they are very vocal. They are always telling you what's coming, what to expect. There is no room for the community to fill in the, the gaps with pessimism. And Halo, on the, the flip side of it right now, people like myself are saying, are you not doing anything major for six months? Are we supposed to now expect one map, one big, one big mode every, every season? Is that, is that the expectation? Uh, because if we're looking at other games as a service titles, they're doing a lot more. And again, I know Halo is still learning, but Halo and Microsoft are a massive brand and there is no world where it's acceptable for them to say, oh, we didn't look at what anyone else is doing. We didn't look at Fortnite. We didn't look at Sea of Thieves. We just launched Halo and said, we'll figure it out. Like that is unacceptable. I'm sorry. I think, I think, and I'm happy you talked about the Sea of Thieves layer of it, right? And I think it really does wind up showing you what it's like to build a community from scratch 
Mm-hmm. Because that's the hard part, right? I think Halo has baggage. Halo has baggage from a decade plus of, you know, kids saying random things in ter- in, in in lobbies, toxic, and a whole bunch of stuff. So you have you have a player base that is now grown in adults that have been playing this thing, and they have interesting expectations again, where they're like, mm-hmm. "Don't mess with my Master Chief, and don't change <laughs> the armor." I've been his friend for twenty some years. I don't want you to change what I love. You would swear that they were all like in the Vietnam War with freaking Master Chief. It's like, yo, and when we were in the trenches, brother, we were foxholes with everybody else and the rest of <clears> Master <throat> Chief's crew. But it's not like, but but you have that layer of the 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 Sea of Thieves folks who, like you said, have learned, but they've also delivered. And I think that that's the thing. They get kudos and they get some grace because they have launched a thing, have been super super excited about it, have been very very vocal. But when they didn't have great content, they got to a state that got them good content pretty quickly. When you think about where we are in the kind of timeline of what that game was, it didn't take them super, super long to get cool stuff within the game that made you want to come back to go play it. And now they're putting out all this licensed stuff that was in the in the mix when they were doing the Disney layer, which then boosted that game into a whole other space that their player base was really excited about. Yeah, Halo has to really just talk that stuff up. A bunch more again even even bungie who does a fair amount of discussion uh often about their game they sprinkle in stuff with new updates that are like you'll get a big vid doc right that even if you don't think about all the work that went into it it tells you that a lot of people worked on that thing to make a thing bigger right yes yeah. So I think that's the thing. And even, no, again, we'll go back to No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky, a game that people crapped on and, and left for dead for, for a long period <laughs> of time, has nine, how many updates? I think it's nine or 19, something like that, updates that they've done since the, the launch of that game. Yeah, they've and done every, a ton of updates, but like at least probably nine big kind of noteworthy. Nine big ones, right? And I think the thing that they've done, and they do this so smartly from such a small team, they make you feel like it's a relaunch every time. Yes, they do. They rebrand it. They do No Man's Sky colon this. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, oh, damn, yeah. what? Even if it's like, oh, this animal farts now. You're like, oh, crap. Yo, this animal farts now. Like, <laughs> dude, yo, what? Are you checking no, out No Man's Sky fart farting? Right? Huh. Like, you're like, oh, crap. Like, I can collect the fart juice. It's dope. Like, dude, this is great. I can use that as fuel, yeah. and now I can fly to another a- galaxy, dude. Right? It, it can be stuff you don't give any crap about, but they make it feel big enough so that you care in that way. And I think that's a layer of, you know, connecting to community and understanding their player base in a really, really good way. So, you know, Halo, I think, is still, like they said there, it's interesting to hear them kind of phrase it as, like, we're learning. But I'm like, you've had, like, you know, not even just 343, but, like, as a arch, again, talking to what you said about, like, Microsoft having all these people who have worked on these games over the years working in it. Like, there was stuff from the previous launches that you could just redo. And it would work fine because the audience already has an expectation for it to work in that way. Bring back old maps. It's the easiest thing you can do to shut people up for a long period of time is bring back old maps and just redo it. You have the schematics. You have the you have them in there. They're gonna be in Forge anyway. Release that stuff. Don't even have to make Forge. You don't have to put Forge out. Just release the map assets that you have for the old maps. Put them into the the game types and let people rock with that while you build the new stuff. It just buys you time. 
So it's again me saying that like just do it like you yeah know, yeah yeah it's easy just do it yeah, just, just put do the, it no maps out it's not the way it works but like it is the thing that you could do to make people happy in the meantime they have that attachment to it they understand what they do they know the pathing again of those routes on those maps so you instantly have fun with people who are who are either new or or, or um, old to the series. Yeah, that's that. That's an excellent idea. If I was three four three, I would just have this back in my back pocket, all the leg, uh, just a handful of legacy maps. So you know, yeah. anytime we know content's gonna be sparse, or anytime we're gonna make a change that people are gonna be mad about, just oh, guess what? Blood Gulch is here. Oh, right. guess what? Hang em high's here. Let's go. Right. Let's go. And people are like, oh, damn. like bad news. Boom, Blood Gulch. Bad news. Hang em high. Boom. And then that way, you know, there's something. Yeah. It's like map pacifiers. You just yeah, put exactly. them in hey, it's, and be like, here you go. We know what you want. It's going to be okay. And again, at the end of the day, it's going to be okay. I just hey. wanted to have this conversation with you because I've seen a lot of dramatic takes about Halo and what Halo needs to do and blah, blah, blah. Um, some of those are totally fair. And we're yeah. seeing a lot of extremes on either side saying like, you can't criticize Halo or Halo sucks and Halo's dead, blah, blah, blah. But really, right. Halo Infinite right now is in a mi struggling middle ground right now where it's trying to figure out its identity in this space and it's trying to figure out the cadence at which it releases stuff. So moving into the future, what to you, what, for you, what would be the ideal cadence for new maps and new modes with a season? So let's say nothing happens until season two and then they basically relaunch their seasonal strategy with season two what does that look like to you dump make two big packs every year you, you split them up in six months six months periods and then you drop them every six months and that's it like because it gives you some time to think about you know cadence and what you want to do like i think for the most part my issues have never really been the map drops it's not been that stuff it's been weapon balance and like there are like five wep like three or four weapons that are within the entire roster that i feel like i don't ever want to use you know what i mean like that to me is more of a thing that i would care about while you're still building out map stuff so i would be like you know every six months is when you give me new maps but i would much rather making make the arsenal feel more complete and make it feel like you know the reason why i don't like fiesta that much because i get these weapons that i feel like don't kill people pulse carbine <laughs> oh that... my god what is that why why is that oh uh, let me shoot bullets around your head thanks that's that's, that's the best weapon on the planet oh uh, uh, i with, uh, what annoys me the most is like when i get killed by it because it's a gun that i don't understand <laughs> and then i'll have some dude absolutely destroy me destroy me with it i'm like Am I just bad? Am I just bad at Halo? Is that the, my fundamental problem? The gun's fine. I'm just terrible. I've spent I mean, 20 some uh, years of my life being terrible at Halo, and that's what this is all about. I mean, the weird thing is, like, if you put a, if you put one of those commandos in my hand before the game went live, this was the gun that I was like, I this is my gun. This is the gun that feels the best on the planet. And now that gun is baby doo-doo. It's trash right now. That gun is terrible um so it's like well, you know I, I i think the six months cadence would be really really smart for them or if you're gonna do a much longer window so that again you're not just like dumping the expectation and that cadence because again we don't want folks to crunch right then you spread it out and you do one big dump throughout the year but you you intersperse that, and that's for new maps, and you intersperse that with older maps throughout the year. 
because you already again you have those things you understand where they're supposed to play uh so that people aren't like well this this isn't nothing i'm not getting anything right now yeah and i think they have to really figure out how they're tagging that and attaching that to the battle pass because the battle passes also need a refresh faster at this point yes because uh, i think that's the thing of being like you know what why am i still here and if the, is the stuff cool right if i'm not getting cool stuff then why am i playing yeah, so it sounds like moving forward, they're at least going to do three-month seasons. That was originally the plan, but season one was kind of the weird exception where they extended it, obviously. I think to gather player data and understand player habits so they can adjust it for season two. Um, but you're right. Yeah, season two, when that hits, I'm hoping that is, like you said, the No Man's Sky relaunch of, like, we understand what your frustrations were with season one. Um, here's how we're improving. I would love to see... You know, at one event a month, they've been doing a pretty decent job with the events. Keep keep those going. Um, but I also think they need headlining content every season as well, whether that be a, a new map or a, or an exciting new mode. Because, again, just just a new battle pass, I think, isn't going to fix the problems that a lot of people are having with the experience right now. Um, customization is an issue and they've been adjusting the prices of the store and getting it in a better state excited to see what that looks like moving forward we can finally buy stuff a la carte i don't have to spend 26 dollars on ram horns and camouflage paint for my warthog i can just buy the sick ram horns and move on with my life but they are learning they are making adjustments and i'm excited to see what that looks like um once co-op hits once forge hits i think a lot of those complaints about you know multiplayer will go away because there'll be other avenues for people to kind of re re-experience and re re-enjoy halo but right yeah. now all the pressure no one's playing halo campaign anymore everyone's playing multiplayer so all the pressure of that experience is on the multiplayer package as it stands yeah 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 yep all right that's enough halo chat let's move on to the capcom countdown timer I know you're a big Capcom guy. I know you're a big Resident Evil guy. Yeah. So on Sunday, Capcom dropped the, this countdown timer that was set for basically seven days. So late Sunday, early Monday, depending on your time zone, it sounds as though Capcom is going to make some kind of big announcement. A lot of us are expecting a big gameplay reveal. There's two vocal camps right now. There's the, the Resident Evil camp. Uh, the Resident Evil portal was updated on Monday. Um, and then there is the Street Fighter camp. Like the Capcom Pro Tour is this week. And this, actually the Capcom Pro Tour already happened. And the, mm -hmm. the countdown timer was basically going to end tomorrow. So a lot of people, even Jeff Grubb now, are speculating or saying that this could be the reveal of Street Fighter VI. So I have two questions for you here. First question is, what do you want this to be? And the second question is, what do you expect this to be? First of all, never believe Jeff Grubb. Jeff Grubb does nothing. He knows nothing. Um, I love Jeff Grubb. Uh, it's probably Street Fighter VI. Like, it makes the most sense. It's had the longest gap between new games uh, with Street Fighter V doing well, but not on the online space because uh, they had a lot of online issues. Uh, but I think that's where we'll probably see Street Fighter VI. And I hope it's Street Fighter VI. I just want them to go real... I want to do something different with Street Fighter. So I'm hoping that they do something really, really interesting. What I want it to be is like Lost Planet. Oh, oh. Like Lost Planet back. Like I want them yes. to do something wild and bugged out. Just like 
Ooh, let's bring let's bring us a, a franchise back that we haven't seen before. Of course, I love Devil May Cry, so I, you know, Devil May Cry would be the best thing. And I actually don't necessarily want another Resident Evil just yet. Like, I think Village was really, really good, but Village also didn't really live up to expectations in my mind of like what I had hoped. Like, I just haven't had that like, oh crap, everything is really, really scary all the time from Resident Evil anymore. Uh, so I'm a little disappointed in that. So yeah, I think I think you know if they if they were gonna make me really happy, it'd be some Lost Planet business because that would be super super wild just to see that franchise come back. Um, but it's probably gonna be Street Fighter for sure. See, that's that's why I love having you on here because no one else would say Lost Planet. No one else <laughs> when I ask them would say Lost Planet, but you you mentioned Lost Planet. Lost, Lost Planet, Planet is fire, dude. Lost Planet Two does not get enough love. That is one of the best co op games of all time. I am sorry. Grappling hook on giant beasts with your friends, literally going inside of giant animals' assholes to kill them from the inside. That is the greatest video game. I'm sorry. And and not enough people played Lost Planet 2. And if they yep. relaunch that as a as a co-op game in this day and age, whew. I'm just saying, dude, dude. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm 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 with you on Lost Planet 2. Lost Planet 2 was a fire game. Oh uh, yeah. Throw some respect on Lost Planet 2, all right? Um, I'm in the same camp. I think it's probably Street Fighter, you know, with, with the pro tour again, like you mentioned the gap, uh, Jeff Grubb, obviously love Jeff, trust Jeff. I don't think he would be casually saying it unless he, you know, didn't have good information there. Um, but what I want, what I really, really want two things, Dragon's Dogma two, again, Dragon's Dogma two. I want it to be still keep the pawn system, but I also want it to offer co-op as well. You can squat up with four buddies and go take down some giant beasts. Dragon's Dogma 2 in the GeForce, in the NVIDIA leak. So there probably is a Dragon's Dogma um, 2 uh, uh, somewhere floating around, whether it sees the light of day, we don't know. But at one point in time, there were talks for a Dragon's Dogma 2. But the other thing, the thing that would really, really get me going is a relaunch of Resident Evil Outbreak. Did you ever play Resident Evil it's Outbreak on PS2? I did. Why game. has no? Why haven't they revisited that formula? They, they put it out in a time where nobody had internet, nobody was yeah. gaming online, and they put out this really ambitious, bold idea where you are in Raccoon City as a random survivor, as a janitor, as a firefighter, as a policeman, and each person had their own role, and you had to like work together in almost like a escape zombie escape room to figure out how to get out of these scenarios. You can't tell me that wouldn't be a f amazing multiplayer horror game in this day and age. I did like that game a lot, actually. I'm happy you said that. That's a good pull. That's a really good pull. Also, because I'm just running through Marvel games right now. I mean, uh, Capcom games right now. Marvel. Marvel versus Capcom. Could potentially, maybe it's that. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's a new Marvel. Because that's a game that nobody... Like, the fighting game community wants that game. Because uh, the last one didn't necessarily do well. No. But that would be thing that would be an interesting call too but yeah marvel versus cat the last one what was a bummer is the game fundamentally wasn't bad mechanically it was just mm. such a budget title and you could tell like that yeah. that team did not get a lot of resources it was so ugly like looking at characters like frank west and seeing right. like the <laughs> the shopping cart the, the knockoff 
the, the Chinese knockoff of Frank West and in, in oh yeah, just, right. I forgot about that. That's it, forgot, it just I hurt. Totally it, forgot about that. Oh, God. They they did not have respect for. I mean, I shouldn't say they didn't have respect for the characters. They didn't have the right resources to make these characters look as we know, and that was very apparent. <laughs> I I I think yeah. If 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 Street Fighter Six drops, and I guess this is my quick question to you. What is the thing that you hope they do that is different than what they've already done? Is it just like more characters that we haven't seen? Is it crossover characters, like multiple stuff? Like what what would get you excited for Street Fighter Six at this point? First and foremost, I really hope it's multiplat. I really hope yeah. it's not uh, a PlayStation exclusive again, or or even an Xbox exclusive. Um, you know, fighting games, generally speaking, you want that community, you want people to be playing it. Um, so that make it multi-plat and second make it a full suite make it a full suite don't do the arcade mode and then the versus mode and that's it mm. i want the relaunch that mortal Kombat got with nine where you have this epic overarching story you have this huge suite of modes and i want it to get a ton of support in the way that mortal Kombat did because i think that's kind of now the the new shining example of how you do a, a fighting game right in this day and age um Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, another great example, had your your single player mode that was that was very involved, and then it had a bunch of online modes and this huge suite of stuff you could do. Street Fighter V launched in such a trim state that it was really disappointing. Uh, yeah. It was clear that the title was rushed out, weren't a ton of characters, weren't a ton of modes. I really hope they learn some lessons from that. And when we get Street Fighter VI, it is the big boom. Here is the future of Street Fighter. Get excited. Get hyped up. Yeah. And make it 3D this time. Make, <laughs> okay, make it a 3D fighter. Dude, go back to the old school EX days and make it an EX. Street Fighter EX. Make do you remember when they were going to do Street Fighter Cross Tekken and Tekken Cross Street Fighter? And only, yes, only one been, of them existed? It was going to be so good. It was going to be really interesting, too. Like, I need Skullomania to make a return. That's what we need. Skullomania. Let's bring it back. All right. Let's Tekken X street fighter bring it back from the dead all right we want you you put the idea in our heads and then you took it away and i don't think that's okay all right agreed um because do you remember how big street fighter 4 was do you remember yeah. how big that launch was and how everyone was playing it i felt like street fighter 5 didn't have that there was the core community obviously people love street fighter i love street fighter but i feel like generally speaking it didn't have that big splash that 4 did and i want whatever comes next, like we've seen with Resident Evil and Devil May Cry, I want Capcom to really make sure that that, that hits. It's going to be really interesting too, because and, may, and the thing that has me kind of leaning even Jeff Sherrod is the fact that uh, King of Fighters just dropped and it's really good. <laughs> and it's like, ooh, this could be the moment where we have two. I mean, we've had like three or four really good 2D fighters in the space for a long time now at this point. But Street Fighter has been the one that has been the, the the one that's been on the outside looking in. So now it's interesting to see like what that's going to mean, and if enough people uh, are going to move over from KOF to to Street Fighter again to see what they're going to wind up doing. So we'll see. Um, people usually play multiple fly fighters at a time, uh, but if the net code is bad, oh, you're going to hear about it. You're going to hear like, about it. That's going to be the thing that they have to talk about the most really quickly is they're going to have to talk about netcode. Like no one, like everyone's like, yeah, we know who you're going to get in terms of, of, of actual characters. 
if your net code is going to, if you're not talking about that in the first 10 minutes of this, whatever they're going to show, that's going to be a bad look for them. Cause they, mm. that's the one thing that was broken. That was the thing that was not working well was net code. So we'll yeah, I, re- I remember playing street fighter four and three sixty and suffering through that suffering <laughs> through online matches. Whew. Can't do that again. I don't know if it's like Capcom multiplayer or uh, uh, MLB the show is worse multiplayer. Thanks. Online yeah. is not bueno. I've been waiting for that to get better for a decade now. Maybe one day. Maybe the dream will come true. Th- this time around, guys, we promise. This is the one. Hit a slider. Hit a slider at, at 200 ping, baby. Go ahead, do it. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Godspeed. Yep. I'm going to give a quick shout out to all the amazing people joining us live. If you are digging the show, hit the like button, share it out, all that good stuff. If you are listening on podcast services, follow the show, rate the show. I'm going to get to some super chats here. Mr. Joanna Dark says hello to the GOAT, Miles Dompierre, and his incredible guest, Khalif Adams. I am excited to hang out with you and the community. Let's go Knicks. Yeah, shout out to Joanna Dark. What up, what up, what up? The legend. Don Otaku coming in says, the only game I need Capcom to finally announce is Ace Attorney 7. You a big Ace Attorney guy? No. No. (laughs) Same. Like, I've... this. Some people aren't going to like this. I've never even played one for more... I've I've never even played one for 30 seconds, if I'm being honest. I've I've played a demo of one and was like, this is not for me. Thank Thank you for making this game. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that there's an audience. The audience is not me. No. It ain't for me. Not no. enough giant bugs that I can crawl in their ass, you know? <laughs> All right. <laughs> we got to talk about cyberpunk. You know, cyberpunk's been quiet for, for some time. Obviously, there was a lot of, you know, conversations surrounding cyberpunk at launch. But in kind of a surprise announcement this week... Um, we got a CD Projekt Red stream where the team not only announced that the next the current gen update for Xbox Series X and S and PS5 was done, but it was dropping the following day. So on Tuesday, the, the 1.5 update for Cyberpunk 2077 is out in the wild. This is bringing, obviously, graphical improvements on Series X and PS5. You have two different options. You have a basically 4K mode at 60, and then you have a ray tracing mode at 30. On the Series S, right now, there's only one option, 1440p at 30 FPS. In addition, they completely tweaked a bunch of the skill trees, a bunch of gameplay mechanics, and this is kind of the, not the first step, but one of many steps towards getting Cyberpunk closer to what people were expecting at launch. So, a couple of questions for you. Did you finish Cyberpunk at launch? Did you play through it? Did you play it much at all at launch? I played a bunch of it. I just never finished it. It's a, it's it's a, it's a huge game, and at that point, there were other stuff that was like, "Oh, this isn't broken. Let's go play those things." <laughs> so, is this going to make you jump back in? I know the timing. Let's be real, is awful. I I was joking about this <laughs> about a month ago that you know this update's finally going to come out. It's going to drop right in the middle of February next to Horizon and Elden Ring, and sure enough. They said, yeah, you know what? Let's relaunch Cyberpunk in February because why not? Just add it to the pile. So despite all of that, eventually, at some point, will this make you jump back into the game? I, I mean, on PC, <laughs> which, is, which is the funny thing, right? Like, I actually, like, look, 
this game at least when i was looking at it yesterday because i was like well let me go back and, and see i haven't played it enough in the time frame that this game has been out to like remember where i was right i can go back and start whatever mission i'm at on pc um or i can you know start over on on xbox to see you know where it's kind of landed and, and how it's gotten for 30 bucks right yeah um i'm still debating on if i want to jump back into that world the time that i was in it wasn't that much fun even when i was playing it on pc i was like this is kind of boring like maybe it's because of the, the skill trees and the way that they they did the that work there maybe it's because it wasn't as slick as as i wanted it to be from a story perspective and and the you know the want from my corpo uh to be a super badass and, and be shadowy and all this other kind of stuff didn't really you know come to fruition it really wind up being like, oh, I can hack this thing. I can hack that thing. I can make you go blind, and then I will shoot you. That was the <laughs> game for most of Cyberpunk for my character that I was working with. Oh, oh, and also I have this gun that shoots bullets over my head that will automatically, which was the coolest part of that game. You know, smart bullets, FTW. But I think I don't know if we're gonna go back to to this game at this point. Like, there are too many other things that are that are that are in the mix right now. I want to give it a chance, though. That's the hardest part. It's like, I want to give it a chance. I just don't think I'm going to wind up respending money for an experience that I can already have on PC at a much higher fidelity frame rate and and, and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. With the PC side, that that is an interesting conversation because obviously there were some issues at launch, but generally speaking, the PC version of Cyberpunk was was the best fewest mm -hmm. bugs be better performance better visuals so it didn't really suffer in the same ways that a lot that the console versions did i played through the game at launch on series x i enjoyed it it wasn't mind-blowing and i think that was the biggest problem for me is that you know maybe it's unfair to expect every game to come out and completely reinvent the wheel um but despite being a really cool fascinating world to explore it was an open world rpg it wasn't doing anything new. It was a new setting. It had some new, like you said, the smart bullets, some some cool ideas there. The the augmentation system I thought was fun because I was a brawler. I was literally bare knuckle. I was punching people to death. When I could oh, get the ability to do like a gorilla charge fist, like literally yeah. put gorilla arms in, on my body and punching people's heads off, that was fun. I did, okay. you know, I had a damn good time doing that. So... There are a lot of things that I really liked about it, but I, again, I played it at launch. I beat it at launch. I enjoyed it. This update to me, the, the, the graphical fidelity on Series X, at least, that wasn't the main problem I had with the game. I would love to see a big expansion, and I hope that now that this is out, we can start getting closer to the expansion because realistically, they were just in a situation where they couldn't do the expansion. You couldn't have the game in that state and then say, guess what? DLC is coming. Get those wallets ready. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but now we're in, a, we're in a state where we can start looking to the future and hopefully, again, it, the game can start delivering on some of the, the more ambitious promises that it made. Here, here's the thing that I think devs should understand, too. When you're, when you're thinking about your initial roadmap and you're thinking about your kind of the way you're launching your game, because I didn't think about this until just now, um, was if you made everything cross-progression, uh, cross you wind up making folks who are like me, who have stepped away from a game on a certain platform, but also don't want to buy that game again, but still want to enjoy your game, 
the ability to do so. So like, you know, people are like, oh, we can, you know, PS4 saves over to PS5 to, you know, get the 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 upgrade tree kind of the upgrade path, you know, move. I don't care about those things. Like again, like that's the way that they've done that and Sony is not really great in terms of the way that they they let you kind of upgrade your games and Xbox will have, you know, smart delivery stuff. But at that point, I'm so far removed from so many things that it's now a pain in the ass to go decide if I'm going to go do that experience again when I would like to play that game on my couch. Like I want to play it on my big TV. I want to play it on, you know, the best visual thing I have in my home. Uh, but I can't because there's no cross progression, right? Like it's a thing that you need to be able to put into your games to make, to give, to give people that longevity space to be able to come back to your thing, even if they've left it after a while. Yeah. Um, it's, it's cool to see some developers and publishers push that um, and have an options for, for cross save, even if they aren't necessarily supporting cross buy, because well, yeah, with right. certain games, I'm not going to start over. I don't want to no. start over. I'll spend the 30 bucks to go buy that game. If I had, if I had cross progression, if I can figure out a way to link it to my steam account and make that thing just work on my GOG account and make that thing work. I'll absolutely do that thing and, 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 and spend the extra 30 bucks to play it and, and have it on, on one TV. I don't want to, I don't want to play that game again from the beginning and go through all that stuff. No, 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 no. please, please. No. no. So uh, it is cool to see it out. I'm glad that this is finally out. I'm glad I've seen a lot of people share their kind of first experience with the game. This is their first time jumping in, especially if you're playing on console, uh, that is going to be a huge difference because uh, again, I played it at launch and I didn't have any game breaking bugs and I'm because of the memes and how funny it is. I don't really mind, you know, characters T posing. I had so many quote unquote <laughs> epic cutscenes where I'm in a car chase. I got people shoot me in the back and I turn around to, to fire my gun at them and they are all standing straight up in the driver's seat <laughs> T posing during this epic cinematic. And it was hard not to laugh. If you want a serious experience, that's going to ruin it. But for me, as someone who was punching people's heads off and just laughing at the T-posing, I got to enjoy it, you know, the way that I wanted to at launch. But I, um, I think they need to revisit, like, and, and this is another way to get me back in, right? I think they need to revisit the, because they're upgrading skill trees and changing a lot of that stuff, right? And maybe they did this in the 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 vid doc that they did or the the talk. Maybe I need to go watch that. But I need to go back into that world and understand the possibilities again. Like you, you know, you talking about punching people in until their heads would explode. Like that's a cool thing, right? Like, yeah. You do that. I need them to go back into that system in the way they did it when I was in the press conferences, when they were doing those things and like, show me the variations of stuff that you can do within this world. Right. Oh, you want to fly around the city with a jetpack and, and, and become like the, the, the mecha uh, mecha corpo whatever you want to do like of course you can't do that but like you know oh you want to hack stuff now we gave you more things to hack like i want i want them to tell me and show me the possibilities of coolness that you can put in that game and maybe that'll get people back into it who you know we're like this game is dead and it's broken and it's bad to come back into it and be like oh well here oh this is actually cool now and we can actually do fun stuff in it yeah like we keep talking about the no man's sky relaunch even yeah. if it is you know us is Let's be real. When you see like 20 pages of patch notes, the average person's not going to read that. Right. I'm sorry. That's, that's a lot. That is a lot to ask someone to read. But if you can make, give me a snappy video breaking down what that means. Yeah. And again, I understand that's more work, but 
a game like Cyberpunk that is desperately needs to reconvince a lot of people that it is in a better state, that should absolutely be the case. And we did see the, the breakdown, and there was a lengthy stream that, again, detailed a lot of that stuff. But I think having some more marketing beats that are a little more focused, say, this is what the new skill tree looks like. Here's three and a half minutes on what you can do, how that's right. changed. I think that would go a really long way. Agreed. All right. Um, a couple super chats here. Mr. Joanna Dark. Oh, God. Hold <laughs> on. I'll make sure I didn't miss any other ones before I get to this, this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Khalif, can you ask Miles his thoughts on Resident Evil Code Veronica and then tell him how he is wrong? He might as well taste Paris cooking. Love you, Miles. So, so Miles, what are your thoughts about it? It's a bad game. It's a bad, dumb, stinky Resident Evil game. Mr. Joanna Dark and some other people who don't know how game design works enjoy it, and that's fine. <laughs> But it is the second worst Resident Evil, and I've played all of them. I'm talking, it's worse than the on-rails shooters on Wii, all right? It's oh, worse than wow. Resident Evil Survivor on PS1, Mr. Wow. Joanna. Some deep cuts here. I've played them. I've played them all. And Resident Evil Code Veronica, bad. Bad game. Very, very bad game. <laughs> don't don't you dare re If they remake it, I, ooh, I will be in the streets petitioning at Capcom headquarters. <laughs> It's so, I liked it, but it's okay. <laughs> no, I know a lot of people do. It's one of those takes that people get mad at me when I say that's I don't like Final Fantasy Seven version of that. That's 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 my version. People like Final <laughs> people like Final Fantasy Seven. Like that game is ass cheeks. Don't play that game. The game is bad. We again, but, we we all have those games that people love that we don't. Um, but Co Veronica to me, as someone who loves campy, terrible Resident Evil, I right? I just don't get it. I just I don't. Oh my god, that's funny. Well, Mr. Joanna Dark, any chance he gets, he baits me into raging over how bad that game is. I appreciate the fact that Mr. Joanna Dark spent ten bucks to get that. <laughs> that's dope. I appreciate the hell out of Joanna Dark for that. Put his money where his mouth is. I love that. That's real spicy. I love it. Uh, yeah. So got you know gave gave him a show, made it made it worthwhile. Appreciate. Oh, yeah. Appreciate. Oh uh, god. I see. Oh Paris. Paris jumped in the stream. Right as his cooking was getting dunked on. Wow. Paris who? Paris who now? Who? Who is this? Paris, Paris what? Paris, pa Paris Hilton? <laughs> Great job. Oh, God. All right. Uh, Khalif, final <laughs> major topic of the show today is something yeah. a little different and something I've been thinking about as we're looking at February and looking yeah. at everything coming out in February. We have so many open world RPGs. We have Dying Light 2. We have Horizon. We have Elden Ring. We have Cyberpunk. We had we just had Pokemon uh, Legends Arceus. All of these open world games are coming out, and they are all fighting for your time. Let's be real. We don't have enough time to play them all. There is not enough time in our lives for us to play all of them. Not e not even close. So what I want to do here with you is I want to I want to talk about what makes the ultimate open world RPG. What makes the perfect open world game? So for you, when you're looking at Elden Ring, when you're looking at Dying Light 2, when you're looking at Horizon, fundamentally, what are the things you're looking for that are going to pull you into an open world game? I think you have to have an extremely strong start 
I think that is that is paramount to most open world games being good is you have a really It gets good after 15 hours, dude. Man, listen. <laughs> keep your 15 hours start before it gets good. You can keep that and put it in your pocket. Smoke it. Um it, it, so it has to have a really strong start for your for your main campaign. <laughs> That just broke me. Um, and you have to try to figure out a good way to balance out again. After playing Horizon uh, for 50 hours and completing it, and then looking at my completion rate inside game, and it was like, you have completed 37% of this game. And I was like, that is a wild number to see you just telling, you just told me that I didn't finish half the stuff. And then, mind you, I ran through that game, try to get to embargo and spent 50 hours in it. Right. Um, it's a whole work week plus some uh, of playing that game straight. So I think you got to have a, a strong opening start. You have to lead your character towards a space where their pathing and their, and their upgrade paths aren't um, super long in terms of like, needing to get to that 15 to 20 hours day before you start to really feel like you're getting the powers and things that you want to be able to do within that world. And you have to really focus in on the side content. I think the side content really needs to inform your session with the main campaign. And if you do that really well, like one of the things I do really appreciate about Horizon is that if you play certain side quests and things like that, stuff that's not even like major side quests, like tertiary stuff that's just like you're going over here and doing this thing, there will be moments where, you know, Aloy will comment or folks that she's talking to will comment about some of that stuff. It's those small little tidbits of things that work really well within that space in comparison to a thing that was like Watchdog Legions, which I was really excited for. But like none of those things really connected outside of the main story. You were doing all this stuff, but you were still this hacker who was like running around doing all this nefarious stuff and no one mentioned it. No one gave <laughs> a crap about any stuff that you were doing. So I think if you match if you mash up all of those things, you get a really good space to build out a good, interesting world where you can play various kinds of ways. Uh, and, and it feels like you're actually like going somewhere with the story. I think that's the most important part. Yeah, I'm I'm hypercritical of open world games, especially as we see more and more of them, because a lot of these companies kind of see it as almost a marketing point for the game to say that our game is like dying late, like got a lot of heat for saying it's 500 hours and stuff like that. That's obviously clearly a marketing buzz for your game. And I have a hard time believing that you have 500 hours of worthwhile content in your game. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't care who you are. If From Software came out and said Elden Ring is 500 hours, I'd be like, come on, dude. No way. Get, get out of here. Your, your last game was like, you could do everything in 60 and now you're at 500. Stop it. Stop it right now. Weirdly, I think El like a game like Elden Ring at 500 hours could be actually more interesting because of the way that they've determined how their world works, right? Like, I think, you know, Halo as an open world game kind of worked, but didn't necessarily do anything special. Uh, you know, the uh, Dying Light 2 saying that they were 500 hours in that space. Like, again, if the things aren't moving in a way that feels dynamic, 
like I think like weirdly, I think one of the games that probably should have gotten more love that didn't, and this is all their fault, was Fallout 76, right? Fallout 76 was a bad game, and it continued to be a bad game for most of its development and most of the time that it was out in the world. But I love the way that they would do these random events within the world that would be like, oh, I'm doing this side quest over here. I'm doing this main quest over here. Holy crap, there's an outbreak of mutated folks that are over here, and you can get some cool loot if you go do that thing right now, right? Doing stuff like that changes the way that the world works because you're thinking about not only how to traverse a map to get to a thing really quickly where you're going to have fights along the way, but you're also going to be rewarded if you get there in time to be in that battle and have that thing. Destiny does this really well with the, 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 the events that they do, you know, on the map, right? Like those things work really well because of the, the way it tells you and it reinforces the gameplay loop of you want loot. We have cool things that are happening in these incremental pieces of time. Go do that thing now. Right. So uh, Elden Ring actually could be really dope in that respect if they're like, yo, you know, during this part of the day, the night cycle, the day cycle, whatever, you know, if you're here in this point, you may see this extra villain that you may want to go kill and get some special loot, right? Like, I think it would be super kind of fun to see that world in it. You know, nobody's now, playing. I'm not game. saying I won't play Elden Ring for 500 hours. Yeah. Because yeah. I have played Dark Souls 3 for well over 500 hours. Yeah. For yeah, me... Yeah. What I appreciate about a, a great or a beautifully designed open world game is that it respects your time. It respects everything mm. you do. The, the, the greatest strength of any open world game is when I can go into it and I want to explore. I want to see what's over here. Um, I, I don't, again, there's a lot of criticism of Ubisoft's format of, of open world RPGs. And for me, a lot of it comes from they're blasting me with markers. There's a marker over here. There's a marker over here. There's a marker over here. It's telling me where I need to go or where I should go. Um, mm. I love games where I just see a landmark. I see something in the distance and I just go explore. It. And because I go explore that, I find something amazing off the beaten path and I'm rewarded for doing that. And so mm. that encourages me and that incentivizes me, incentivizes me to keep exploring as opposed to just following that marker and blasting through the main storyline. A Breath of the Wild, another great kind of example of a open world sandbox that gives you a lot of flexibility. You are constantly rewarded for trying new things. Uh, when you introduce cool new mechanics, like the first time that you figure out you can jump on your shield and slide down a hill, mm. like, oh, dude, traversal needs to be huge. My biggest problem playing Second Extinction is... It was this huge open map, big sprawling map that was really gorgeous, really great to look at. You had to sprint on foot. That was your only means of traversal. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, you're not going to give me a car. You're not going to give me anything. So if you're going to give, give me a huge map, give me multiple ways to get around it. Um, it makes me think actually, and now that you share, shared that layer of it, of, I wonder, because you can do this in the in the HUD menu for Horizon, um, is you can turn off all the markers, right? You can turn off yeah. most of them in there. That might have changed the way that I thought about that game, and it makes it a much more compelling open world game because you wind up having different ways you can tra traverse the landscape and also like different biomes that you're walk walking and rolling through. The, the way it winds up falling apart is that you wind up needing very specific you know, parts from specific animals to upgrade your your stuff which then 
that makes that part a little bit more difficult to be able to do it. Maybe it's something you do in the in the game, right? You finish the main story, and then you're like, I'm going to go in explorer mode, right? I'm going to turn off all the stuff and just roll into things where I see it. Maybe that's the way that winds up playing that game that makes that kind of more interesting. Um, so that's uh, that's interesting to hear you talk about it in that way, and I vibe with that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I got some gameplay from the Elden Ring network test up here, and the default setting for the HUD in this is set to auto, which I absolutely love. But when you're not in combat or when your health isn't missing, um, the HUD's completely off except for the compass in the top. And, you know, that that is huge because there's not all these distracting things on the screen. You're really able to focus on the environments and the world. And that's, to me, any any great open world game needs a great open world. And yeah. uh, again, Assassin's Creed, I think, is a game that I enjoy for the most part, but I feel like there's a lot of things distracting from the gorgeous world. Assassin's Creed Origins, one of my favorite sprawling open worlds just to look at, but there was so much stuff clustered on the screen the entire time that I felt like I just couldn't really enjoy it half the time. It just, again, I know we're playing a video game. It's when you're sitting down and playing something like Elden Ring, obviously you're playing a video game, but when you can have that suspension of disbelief, when you can really get in there and for a few minutes forget that you're playing a video game, and it's not obviously like, this is a video game. Here's this stat. Here's this thing. Here's this thing. Right. It's really nice to have that and be able to just to enjoy the experience for what it is. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Totally so agree on that. We, we've talked a little bit about, you know, what, what you want to see. What are some red flags for you or some no-goes? When, you, when you're playing an open world game, let's say you'd start something. What's something that's going to make you say, I'm good. I'm done. I think at this point, it is the glut of stuff. Like, I it's a weird thing of being like how much is too much and what's too little for an open world game. Like I, I actually think about how much gets shared initially. Right. I think and again, going back to, to, to horizon, cause that's the thing that most people are playing right now. Like, you know, capturing a tall neck and, and which they need to read, just rename that, please just rename tall necks, something else. Cause that just sounds stupid. <laughs> um you have an idea of like what you're gonna wind up seeing when you wind up getting to a space you're like oh this is cool like the fog of war is there you can't and then when you reveal it you're like holy crap there's so much stuff here i think it would be cool if some of that stuff wound up being incremental right where you know you wind up seeing some of those things kind of just like pop up during the process of you doing other stuff so seeing too many things on the map at this point just throws me off um, I'm actually really, I'm like one of those people who like, doesn't like a lot of text in my storytelling in open world games. Like I used to be a huge fallout man. I'm just being like, all right, give me all these text, text trees and give me all these, you know, conversation trees that I want to go through and like figure out. I kind of don't like that anymore. And that's been a really weird, you know, change of pace for myself of being like, half these stories are stupid anyway. They don't really make a lot of sense and they're not, they're not written well. You just did all this stuff for who? Like, who is like who are the people who are gonna really? Uh, you know, just I'm mashing buttons to scroll to get past and skip stuff now at this point, which is bad because I feel bad for the developers who like made these large fantastical worlds, uh, and I just don't care. Like, I think about outer outer worlds like that in this way of like, man, I love that game. What it what it was from a Fallout perspective. But like half the times when I was in the conversation trees, I was like, I don't care about any of this stuff. And I know I'm supposed to, and maybe I'm a bad player, but like, <laughs> I kind of don't care. 
like i don't care about this relationship i don't care about these people like half this stuff doesn't make sense anyway like let me shoot stuff and i i, I know that's terrible but that's the way it kind of felt with that game so uh you know text over over texting uh is 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 a little bit of a thing for me now uh and just too much stuff on the map that you don't need it just feels over over abundant not yeah, you and I are on the same page when it comes yeah. to the story. I, I don't like games that take me out of the action for extended periods of time. Uh, I don't mind having a heavy narrative. I don't mind having those epic cinematic moments, but you really it's on you as the game developer to make me care about the story. I shouldn't yeah. have to go out of my way to be invested in these characters and listen to these dialogue options. Because yeah, at a certain point, I don't care about everything. And as soon as I stop caring about some of the side quests, it starts to impact how I perceive the overall story and overall presentation. So the more I, the less I care about the side quests, the less I care about the main story in a lot of these games too. Mm -hmm. So I think a big fundamental flaw with a lot of these games is they focus on side quests and they put a ton of side quests to give you the illusion that there's a ton of stuff to do. But as you start doing them, it's like, hey, my, my cousin's over here in a tree. Can you go get them? And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> no i'm not okay I'm not. um sure i'll do this once you go do it and you're like why you're in a tree is like oh there were some jaguars that chased me up there and you're like okay cool that's never touched on again it adds nothing to the world adds nothing to the experience you just had to go do this and then you talk to somebody else like oh this person has a quest i'll see what they're up to like hello i'm looking to make a soup and i need 16 mushrooms would you mind going to this bog to get them and i'm like Oof. No, actually, I, I kind of do mind. I kind of do mind. You're on your own, all right? I'm here trying to save the entire Earth, the planet, fighting <laughs> demons. There's apocalypse happening, and I'm. you want me to go stop and gather mushrooms so you can make a soup? No, get out of here. Do your own stuff. <laughs> so that's a pet peeve, is when these side quests add nothing to the story, add nothing to you as a character, and there's this huge obsession. Ubisoft is bad about it. I got to say, Ubisoft loves yeah. throwing those in. You don't need them. Take it. Take them out. Do half of them, and it's not going to impact the game. It's really yeah. not going to hurt the game at all. I don't mind side quests when they're cool. Like something I'm pleasantly surprised about is playing an open world game and share the water cooler talk with your buddies, and you say, "Yeah, I was out in this this uh, the forest, and I found this weird hole in the ground. And I dropped in this hole, and there was a guy in there." And then you talk about this wild random side quest that you went on that that person didn't get to experience, and it was really cool, added to the story. But when you go to the hub towns and there's just 50 people trying to get you to do stuff, we don't need it. Trim it. Our time is valuable. That is my biggest complaint about so many open world games. Respect my time, okay? Because at the end of the day, there's other games that I can play and there are other games I will play. And as soon as, you're, as, soon as you start to lose me in an open world game, I'm out. I don't have that sunk cost fallacy where people are like, I already played for 30 hours. I guess I got to see it through. No, I played for 30 hours and I'm out. I wasted 30 hours of my life. Thank you. Thank you. All right. The time to get good needs to be very, very quick. Because again, time, time, I, I'm too good. I'm guilty of it as well. Because there are certain games that have a slower burn initially, but like we were joking about, it gets good after X hours. No, it needs to be good from the jump. It needs to be good within 30 minutes, all right? I, I can't do the like, oh, it's going to take you half a day to get to a good spot. I'm like, you're out of your mind. When point. people tell me it takes 15 hours to get, I'm like, I'm going to just play an entirely different game. Yeah. 
Like and, unless unless people are having like really wild experiences, like I think that there's a layer of that where you get enough exposition where you're you're starting to get into spaces where you're like, all right, we know this is gonna be cool, this is gonna be cool, this is gonna be cool, and then it does get cool, and you're like, oh, but you have to. I'm like, let everybody else be a guinea pig first, and then to, and then I'll get to that part. Like you play through it and be like, oh, I saw this really cool thing, and then tell me about it, and I'm like, all right, cool, I'll start to play it then. But like. If you think about most open world games, that moment doesn't really happen for a lot of stuff. I've not really heard that about Horizon. I've not really heard that. God knows I haven't heard that about any Assassin's Creed games in a long time. Um, Fallout is dead uh, for now. Uh, We'll get a new one in 10 years. Don't worry. I mean, that's going to be the thing about Starfield, right? Like, I think that's going to be the the initial question that everyone is going to have on their mind around, around Starfield. How long does it take for that game to get good, knowing the pedigree of Bethesda, right? Which usually is a fairly slow burn to get. They'll start you off kind of, kind of smartly, and you know Skyrim, you know, with you know dragons eating everybody's faces in the beginning of the, of the yeah, game. Yeah, that intro was epic. They they set the tone pretty well. They set the tone right, but then when you start to get into stuff, it's it it then becomes the slow burn. So you know they're gonna have to do that initial layer of of what that looks like in a real way, and then we'll see where we kind of land from that perspective. But slow burns ain't good for your game, fam. You gotta gotta get people in and out. Again, our time is valuable, and we're all you know immersed in fifty things, and we're on our phones during loading screens, and we're watching a YouTube video <laughs> or playing a game, and our brains are permanently damaged because of that. So you gotta cater to that in some ways. I'm sorry. You're not wrong. It's a You're fundamental not... flaw of us as a society, but unless we just completely dismantle our infrastructure and disable the internet, that's just, that's the world we live in, dude. <laughs> Socialist gaming for everyone. <laughs> okay, so a couple funny. a couple fun questions here while we're on the topic of open world yeah. stuff. All right. What's Khalif's number one open world RPG? The RP- open world RPG you think is the greatest of all time? Fallout 4. Fallout 4. Fallout 4. Damn. Okay. Fallout 4 goaded for you. Yeah, Fallout 4 was really, really good, if I remember right. If that's, if that's the right Fallout, if I'm thinking of it. Uh, you know, just that opening of the vault, going out into the world, seeing, seeing everything that was popping off around you and being like, what? Oh, this is wild. So... That's probably that's probably one of my favorite. And again, Skyrim is a, is a close second at that point. Yeah, I think for me, I I like Fallout Three a lot more than I like Fallout Four uh, for a lot of those reasons you touch on, like experiencing that world in first person for the very first time. Mm. I was in. It's one of those games again. It, it is. Three. Yeah, I'm maybe thinking about three as opposed to four. You're it's right, it's but. a slower slower start initially, but even even despite that the atmosphere is what hooks you and the mystery around every corner you you see a weird camp in the distance you go explore the camp you get this pile of bodies that lead you down this path and um oh yeah that fallout 3 is one of my favorite i i again you know that maybe this is a little i'm a little torn because it's i will say it's not my favorite open world rpg but mm. I think the best open world RPG that we've gotten so far is Breath of the Wild. And it's mm. it's a conflict for me because it's not it's not my favorite Zelda and it's not my favorite op- open world RPG, but there's no denying what it does that makes it so special. The traversal, the 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 total freedom. It completely set the tone for games like Elden Ring. Um 
that that idea that you can go into this world, you can do anything at any time. It's completely up to you. There is a main path and the game will be easier, but you can straight up roll up to the the final boss in in your PJs with a pot lid and your basic wooden stick. Like that kind of freedom is incredible. And it's amazing to see a lot of teams pull inspiration from that and kind of iterate on that formula. So it's a weird conflict for me because I understand people's complaints of Breath of the Wild. I I have similar complaints, but what it did for open world games and RPGs, it kind of set the tone of this entire generation. And I think we're going to see a lot of games borrow from that formula. So that's where I'm at. One other question here. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, keep going. And say one other question. What's a franchise that hasn't gone open world that you want to see go open world? You'll you'll have to keep me, you know, honest on this one. But I don't think Resident Evil has ever really done world game. And I think Resident (sighs) Evil would be a fire, fire series to do open world. Dude, 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 dude. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's exactly yes. what I was going to say, yes. man. Resident Speak Evil. on it. What do you want to see? What do you want to see in a Resident Evil open just, world game? Just, so, so here's the interesting part about Resident Evil, right? Is most of the time, except for the last two games, it has been in, you know, basically city, the cityscape, right? I think you wind up having this overarching thing. You think about... Um, uh, what was the game with the with the zombies and the motorcycle? Um, freaking uh, Sony did it. Oh, Days Gone, Days Gone. I was days like, gone. Uh, Dead gone. Rising, days. Zombie in a Motor. Yeah. Okay, Days Gone. Yeah. So think, so think Days Gone, but in a metropolis, right? Yes. So the best part about open world games is doing the like see a thing and be able to go 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 check out a thing, and that makes it a more expansive space. The fact that you would have cities, the way you flip this is because cities aren't really that big, right? If you think about actual like land space that they take up, of course, you have the periphery of, you know, some, some, you know, desert or whatever kind of other biomes you want to have in that space. But imagine being able to go inside building and having that be the, the, the space, right? You're like, oh, I have to get to the 35th floor of this thing to get to this you know, this, 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 this part of the world, or, you know, this, 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 uh, story marker. And you're having to fight through a city that is tight because it's in a city. I think that kind of stuff would be fire. And if you want to flip it, you make it open world, but you make it, um, asynchronous multiplayer too. So you wind up having folks wherever you are could be a human player or it could be an AI monster. So you're like, Oh, mm-hmm. I, but you have to be like, if you're a monster though, you have to like, like the way they wind up doing it is like, so you jump into a session. You're like, all right, I want to pick a monster. And you're like, all right, you know that people are going to be at certain uh, story points. And you're like, Oh, I can camp out this story point and beat the hell out of somebody while they're trying to finish their story point. It's going to ruin people's days if you're going to kill them. But you wind up getting this really interesting layer of the open world space, uh, a multiplayer component that feels like invasions in a dark world, in a, in a Dark Souls game. Oh, now, now you're talking, dude. And then, and, then you, and then you have this like really interesting just like play between 
all of that stuff. I think that would be perfect for an open world game. I think we just created the pitch for the new Resident Evil Outbreak. I think I'm um, I'm I'm with you 100%. I was so excited when you said Resident Evil because again, nobody else would say that when I would say, "What's a franchise you want to see open world?" Resident Evil. That right? is like you said, imagine Dead Rising, that that formula of of having mm-hmm. the mall and you can go inside of all of the shops. And then imagine that mall is within a city. And then imagine that city is surrounded by bars and restaurants and metro- metropolitan areas. And you can go inside of those. And mm-hmm. with Resident Evil having this huge focus on crafting and survival, imagine combining some elements of, of Dead Rising, being able to pick up random tools, being able to pick up a mop and then attach uh, nails or a, or a knife to the end of a mop and killing oh, zombies wow. with just makeshift weapons because you were just trying to survive. Your stuff's breaking. Throw in the Breath of the Wild, kind of your stuff breaks. Like, let's go. Resident Evil open world. Capcom, are you listening? Atticus in the chat says the day before has entered the chat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's kind of that game, right? That's, that's, a little bit, that's a little bit of that game, which again, I think... We, I'm hoping... We, I'm, I'm not hoping. I'm not putting that much stake into it yet. I need to get no. my hands on it. It looks cool. It sounds promising. But is this going to be Daisy 2.0? We've seen games try that yeah. in some way. Division. Yeah. Is Which, it, it going to be? You, I think you can do it. I th- well, here's the thing. I think you can do it. I think the reason why Division felt bad when you played PvP was that you could skirt the process by getting loot. Like, if you don't make this a looter, you then, you know, have a, a balanced play field where you're really only going to be able to have probably around the same kinds of guns, probably some of the same melee weapons. Then it becomes less about gear, and it becomes more about strategy and teamwork, right? Of like, oh... Let me set a trap for somebody. Let me set a hand for somebody. Then you get the real nefarious, wild out people who are the preppers in real life who come into the game and then they beat everybody because they actually know how to do all this crap in a real way. (laughs) But then it makes it fire because you're like, oh, like I have to really play smartly here and play like I'm like in the apocalypse and like, oh, I got to forage things over here and like learn what that stuff is. I think that that, man, we just need somebody to give us money. two executive producers ready to go let's i'll make some calls i'll get this i'll get this started in two months let's let's go like phil i know you listen to the show come come on on. phil call capcom start making some moves because that is that is imagine squatting up and and resident evil likes to get weird we know resident evil isn't afraid to get weird imagine finding this creepy dense kind of basement you're going through you're traveling you get in you start seeing you know the, the cliche the spider's web you're like, oh shit, it's about mm-hmm. to, I just fought through 20 zombies and I'm in this basement thinking I'm safe. Boom, giant, the classic Resident Evil giant tarantula. And you and your buddies got to figure out how to like survive against the venom and take down this giant tarantula with a mop with a knife at the end of it. <laughs> I'm just saying, Phil, you've been acquire, acquiring a whole bunch of folks. Miles and I are, are up for, up for just a just bought out. Just, just a just couple hundred us. milli. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah, right? Us, so we got you. You can you can make it <laughs> make it I, exclusive. I got a journal full of nothing but bangers. Oops, all bangers is what it says on the top. 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm so good at what I do. Yeah. All right. Oh, okay. Be- that that was perfect. That that just made my day, dude. Again, appreciate Lost Planet and Dead Rising Open World in one show. God. Yeah. And oops, only bangers here. Oops, all bangers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is gonna bring us to the end of today's episode of Xbox Chatterdays. So all the amazing people who tuned in joined us live. Appreciate you joining us. If you are excited about Elden Ring, if you are excited about the Steam Deck, um, keep your eyes peeled. There is stuff coming to Windows Central soon in that regard. Um, I will be handling the official review of the Steam Deck. I will also be doing a bunch of Q&A stuff. Um, I will probably also be trying to coordinate with homie Jeff Grubb to see if he'll come on Chatterdays with me next week so we can run through some questions that the community might have about the Steam Deck. Belief! One more time, let everyone know here where they can find you and where they can applaud your amazing Resident Evil open world takes. Oh my goodness. First of all, thank you so much for for having me again. Uh, Always getting a chance to rock with you is is the best time ever. The best way to start off a Saturday. Uh, You can find most of my work on the internet. You can go to at Kylie Fathoms on Twitter, at Spawn on Me on Twitter to go check out the musings of a bald fat man uh on on the internet uh you can also check out our podcast every friday uh on all the podcast networks uh look up Kylie adams i'm uh, check out spawn on me with Kylie adams you can go find the show there uh, our live show goes up every wednesday night at 6 p.m pst so you can go watch the live show before it goes out to the rest of the world and I have a couple of quick uh things to blast out we just had our um just had our first uh game award show yeah, Bonnie's, uh, uh, which was a huge success. So go check that out on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash spawn on me. So go subscribe, hit the bell, all that goodness there. And also, I just started a new series that I'm working uh, on called Something Epic. So the, the premise of it is to, you know, dig through some of the dope things that are happening, not only within Epic Games from a, a studio standpoint, but folks that are making games and putting them on the, the Epic Games store. We're going to be profiling those games, talking to developers about the, the the way that that works and some of the things that they've been doing in their games. And our first episode just went out uh, yesterday. So uh, the first one was focused on the Matrix demo, the Unreal Engine 5 Matrix demo. Yeah. Jeff Ferris, the technical director, come on and talk about what it, what it, what it took to kind of get that thing into the world and, and make it a real thing. So going to be a 12 episode uh series you get one every month uh and i'm really excited to start that whole process out it's really fun doing this collaborative effort with with the folks over epic epic games and uh really hyped to be doing more stuff around that so uh, check out all the work check out all the stuff and and we'll see you very very soon on on what we're doing yeah dude if you haven't yeah make sure you're showing khalif some love amazing shows the spawnies an incredible award show i'm excited to check out the first episode of something epic and again Love having you on. You are one of my favorite people to talk to because I know we can, we can get down to the real, the real talks. All right. The talks no one else is brave enough to have. All right. <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm just saying you got, you got the folder. You got the oops folder. I got the final fantasy seven hate. It's, it's, a, it's a perfect mashup. Let's do it. All right, Phil, you know what to do. You know what to do, Phil. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks so much for watching. We will catch you next week. Take care. Later.